Hi, and welcome back to another episode of Rant, Rave, and Read with me. My name is Tessa, and I'll be your host, and this week's book is Fighting Solitude by Ali Martinez. Okay, so this book is Unrequited Love slash Friends to Lovers, which is really my jam. I love the unrequited love trope. I love the angst, the heartbreak that all that entails. And so I'm just going to get started. This book is about um, our hero's name is Corey. I really, really hope I'm saying that right. (laughs) And our heroine's name is Liv. Okay, so they're both 24 or I guess. Corey would be like 25 or something like that 26 because he's older than Liv but anyways they've been friends sent for god I think since Liv was like seven or eight and he was 10 and um he comes from a family of boxers they actually start they uh worked f- they came from nothing and they made it work pretty much just they they worked their butts off um so uh they meet outside of a boxing gym and Liv is beating up this guy who was picking on her and uh he turns around he gets to get her hand and Corey stops in I'm just calling him Q because he gets called Q a lot, lot and I feel like I'm saying his name wrong but I don't know how else to pronounce it to be honest anyways he steps in and he pretty much beats the crap out of him. so these guys are like 13 but he's 10 I think at the time There's like a two-year age difference between them, but he looks bigger. He's always looked bigger, okay? So they're really tight. They're best friends. Um, They share their secrets with each other. She obviously is starting to have a crush on him, and then she thinks she's in love with him when she's... Whatever. So when he's 13, he goes, and uh, she has this... So Liv's backstory is her dad was not around like the first five years of her life like he didn't realize it was this big mess where his ex said that look his ex cheated on him with a friend they found out that the kid really was so he didn't think the baby was his he found out the baby was his and he was sending child support but he didn't have anything to do with her and her mom was like a druggy um slash prostitute so her first five years of her life were not really great and so her mom ods and she was stuck in that the room with her dead mom for 24 hours before child services came so she has this thing where she's scared of silence like she won't in the and not so much the dark but the silence in the dark and she says that so she always has music going like when she's sleeping she has music going like she just doesn't like the silence and he knows that so when he was but a little bit before they go to vegas all this stuff goes down where his sister-in-law gets kidnapped she's pregnant and his brother gets shot and paralyzed and he and his like you know 13 year old mind thinks it's his fault and so Liv is trying to be there for him and stuff and and she says I'm always safe when I'm with you and so he knows that she's scared of the silence so he locks her in a storage closet and leaves her in there to prove I guess like in his mind he's like showing her that he can't protect her or something right yeah so their friendship pretty much ends there. But he's really upset. He knows that he shouldn't... Like, he regrets it immediately, pretty much. But she wants nothing to do with him. Well, to go back a little bit, he found out that he has the same genetic dis- um, disease, essentially, that his older brother has. Which is, his hearing will... Ev- he'll, he'll eventually go deaf. And so, Liv has always promised him... Like, they've always had the thing that it doesn't happen to one of them. 
one of us it happens to both of us so she promised him to all like to have his back so she has been learning sign language and even though they're not friends they're not talking like he's been sending her letters she throws all the letters away um she still follows his like boxing his amateur boxing you know and she has kept her into the bargain because even though he betrayed her in a sense she feels that uh you know, what happens to him happens to me. So she knows sign language. So she reads this, she's 15. She reads in this article that maybe there's only a year age difference. Maybe they were nine and 10. Sorry, you guys. He's not much older than her, but anyways, so she's 15. She sees that she reads this article saying that he's lost his hearing. And so she has to go, she decides she needs to go to him. So at this point, it's been three, three years since the incident. And she goes to him and she's like, you know, signing to him and stuff. And she finds out that he is deaf without his hearing aids, but he's not all the way deaf yet. Okay, well, this is where he's like trying to talk to her and stuff. And he said, well, are we cool now? And she's like, I don't know. Like, we're not cool, cooler and stuff because he wants her back in his life. Okay, well, all of a sudden this like five foot nothing girl comes out of nowhere, starts signing, bitching away, talking about like the skink in his arms. Okay, and so this is Mia. Mia is his girlfriend. And Liv kind of is just like, you know, okay, that's great. Before this happened, she, uh, Q had invited her to dinner and stuff. And so they're there. They're to dinner. And Mia's being really bitchy and standoffish and essentially mean. And they're like, you know. And so Liv, like, at this point realizes, like, you know what? I'm going to go home. I'm going to pretend this didn't happen. I kept my end of the bargain. He knows if I, he needs me, I'm here. But I don't have any desire to uh keep contact with him and this is like one thing i really like about like i really like about this heroine is that she is in love with her best friend and he is oblivious to it they have like this connection and he knows he really cares about her and that he doesn't want to lose her and that she's really important in his life okay but she's not going to sit around and pine for him she's not going to sit there and watch him be you know she sh- so she goes home, um, he's texting her and stuff, and she, like, ignores his text messages, and then all of a sudden Mia starts texting her, and she ignores them for a good while, and then finally she just gives in, and eventually Mia, like, convinces her to be their friend, her friend. So, her and Mia become best friends, and I know everybody's probably rolling their eyes right now, but yeah, so they become really good friends, and, um, it's kind of like they're, I guess, the three musketeers in a way, but he, it's kind of funny because, like Q even says that him and Mia used to fight because Mia would (laughs) leave like like abandon Q to go hang out with Liv so like he was kind of the odd man out it wasn't Liv was the odd man out it was Q was the odd man out okay so anyways um that's the the beginning of the book and so we are at three years later so Liv and Mia are both the same age, and so they're 19, and then Q is 21, I believe. And um, Mia dies. So Mia lost her hearing, because her and Q met at a school for the deaf, I believe. And she lost her hearing because she had a she had um, brain cancer. She had a tumor. The tumor took her hearing, but she was in remission. Okay, well, the tumor came back. She didn't tell anybody, and she starts seizing. She goes, and she ends up dying. Okay, well, at this point, Liv and Mia share an apartment together, and uh, Q and 
Q gets into it with her family because they want to, because Mia signed a DNR and Q is pissed off about that. She doesn't want that to happen. So they go to the funeral, all this stuff. And then eventually Liv pretty much just moves in with Q because she can't go back to the apartment. She doesn't want to go back there because Mia's not there. It's too hard to be there. And they essentially just start, she goes back to Q's house and then she just never leaves. Okay. So now we're going fast forward to another four years. So they're, you know, she's 24 and she, you know, she's still in love with her, with Q and stuff. And Q has recently started having feelings for her. And it, it's like one of these books where it took him by surprise, but at the same time it didn't because Liv is like, he, he says so many times in this book that Liv is the one person that he can't lose. Like he wouldn't handle losing that, that she knows him better than he knows himself. Like they are so close that he, like she's his personal assistant now because he is a professional boxer, but she's also works as a coordinator, uh, director for, uh, the community center for, uh, the deaf, I guess it's like, it, it, anyways, um, so she does that and they're still living together in an apartment and stuff, but um he goes on and on about uh how they are so close and yeah. Anyway, so one day she gets home from this really horrible date and he's and he all of a sudden realizes that he's attracted to her. And then like uh Mia came up and like this flash of pain came across Liv's Liv's face and he realized that he wasn't he felt kind of guilty because he realized that he, that Mia wasn't his source of pain anymore. It was Liv. He didn't want Liv to be sad, essentially. Like, that was it. And that he even said something along the lines of that the wound that was left in his heart from Mia was starting to, was like, you know, scabbing over and was healing, but it was filling with Liv. And so they kind of, like, do this little dance. Like, they go to all of, like, the... Paparazzi essentially thinks they're a couple because they, she goes to all of the red carpet things with him, all of the fundraiser things with him. She's in the front row for all of his fights and everything. So to the outside world, they are a couple. They do like everything a couple would do. They just aren't intimate, essentially. And Liv is like the only one, like, Q has this really bad temper and she's the only one that can, like, uh, stop him from going off the deep end. Okay, so... They go to this fundraiser. One of the boxers he's supposed to be fighting starts some crap with Liv. He punches him. They end up getting drunk together, Liv and um, Q, and they start kind of talking, and Liv lets it slide because she's super drunk that she had a crush on that she had a crush on him when she was younger. And that oh that her though that she was in love with him when he was she was younger, that he made her prepubescent heart flutter. And that uh, she had a major crush on him. And so um, they get drunk. And he thinks to himself that he needs to tell her the next day that he has feelings for her and he wants more. So he goes to bed. um, He wakes up and Liv is in his bed with him. Well, okay. So they go to bed. And he's somewhat asleep. And he doesn't realize Liv's in his bed. So he's having this, like, sex dream about her. But he's actually, like, feeling her up. Okay, but she's awake and she knows what's going on, but he, she doesn't realize that he's asleep and then they get their wires crossed. So she thinks he's horrified because, uh, 
because he doesn't feel that way about her when really he was like horrified because he felt like he took advantage. And so the thing about her being in the bed is that in his bed is that sometimes she would sneak in there for whatever reason, like she couldn't sleep or she got scared or something and she would sleep in his, she would sleep next to him and then like she would sneak out before he woke up, but he always knew that she did that. So they start being really awkward around each other and for about three weeks and then like it all comes to a head at uh because he's um training for his fight and she and he's like not home and he can't stand because he feels like he's losing her and it's making him go insane because he doesn't think he can function without her in his life she so shows up at the ring and they start fighting she accidentally lets it slip that she knew what was going on before that she was awake the whole time so he pretty much tells her that they would have been like having sex this whole time if she if he would have known that she wanted him and they end up having sex and then she feels guilty because she feels like it's a betrayal to Mia because she she has a hard time with this because she feels like she's betraying her because he, she's always loved him she never would have acted on it she never would have betrayed Mia's trust but she feels like a bad person because of that and uh Q asked her how long have you felt this way and she's like, you know, every single day before I met Mia. And then he goes, well, how long did you, you know, love me after me? And she goes, every single day. And he starts thinking to himself, like, how did he miss this? And he starts going off about all the things that he does for her and all the little things. And that he says he didn't, he must have just, he was just a dumbass because the signs were there. But, um, so he feels bad because... He, like, he, he has, he's, he's been feeling this way for months, and he had a hard time. He could imagine her feeling this way for, you know, 14 years, essentially. And he convinces her to go out on a date with him because she still is unsure about everything. She feels kind of like she's the consolation prize, and she doesn't want to be the consolation prize, you know? And so she goes and she talks to her sister um Q's sister-in-laws the next day because they're really good friends and they pretty much one of them pretty much plays it out and says that you're not in me you're not feeling Mia's shoes and if anybody was feeling anybody's shoes and as harsh as it sounds you Mia would have been feeling yours that he loved you first and so she decides to give it a shot so they got on this date and it's like hilarious because he plans it as like a 16 year old date like the date he should he would have took her on when they were 16 so he takes her like to drive through he bought her flowers they eat chili dogs and he takes her to this bus station where he tells the story about how he was like going insane that he missed her and that everything was going crazy in his life after he locked her in that closet and that he had came to the bus station to buy a ticket to go see her and he uh was five dollars short so he went and he confessed, ended up going confessing everything to his, so he was 16, and he went to go confess everything to his dad, and, uh, to me, uh, Liv's dad about what he did, and, like, he ended up enrolling at the school, and then he met Mia. Okay, so, nine months later is when Liv read the article about him going deaf. So that was, like, so if he would have had five more dollars, he probably would have never met Mia and they would have never been a couple and all that okay so that's how I took it anyways and she asked him did you love me first and he said that he was at 13 he didn't know what love you know what love was that um if you would ask him if he knew at that age that he had an und 
undeniable connection with her that he could not put into words and that he would do whatever was possible to keep her safe and keep her in her life and not lose her then he would say I would say every single day so that becomes her thing every single day so they pretty much become a couple after this and they they're dating and everything they end up finding their uh cube bought a house and that two years ago but she didn't realize that so he bought a house two years ago for example and then he found out that Liv wouldn't move with him Liv didn't know about this house um she said it'd be weird if they would if he bought a house and they moved into a house together if they weren't a couple essentially so she wouldn't move so he didn't move because he didn't want to move without her so she finds out about the house they end up moving in to the house together um they end up finding the letter. They read the letters that Mia left both of them, which was like these weird letters that were essentially like hinting at ways that they should, that Liv and Q should be together. Like, I guess in her way without saying giving permission, giving permission to Liv to, uh, to move on, that she knew that she loved Court, that she loved Q, but that she would not, I guess, betray her trust. And so that kind of relieves Liv's guilt a little bit. And then, um, they end up getting engaged, which haven't been together that long, but he even tell he has this really sweet rom- um, romantic heartfelt proposal where he says, you know, we haven't been together. We might not be a couple for four months. We've only been a couple for a few months, but that's also a lie because we've been together our whole, pretty much our whole lives. And so they get engaged. And then that crazy boxer dude, the one that like has been kind of stalking Liv, and stuff shows up at the community center and is gonna kill her apparently because Q has paid money to have him investigated because he knew he was pulling some shit because before this he had been kind of he'd been stalking Liv and kind of trying to threaten her and so Q had paid for more security and all this stuff but that he also paid to have his, his uh the boxers like background investigated and so they're there she he calls like Liv screams not to come. The break he break breaks he dislocates her finger t- scra- taking off her ring. Her assistant that like, we find out is actually because she has an assistant that the her job is actually the brother's dad's like so Q and Leo and Till's dad those um but she didn't know that he went by a different name. He ends up saving her life. She's in a. She locks herself in a storage closet because she needed to get away. And uh, she keeps on sitting there, like, talking to herself, like, it's going to be okay. He's going to be here. He's going to be here. Nothing can hurt me if he's here. And all of a sudden, she hears music playing. And then it, she and she thinks he's coming. Okay. So then it goes to Q's point of view. And he goes in there. And, like, his dad yells. She's in a closet. And so he slams, like, the speakers on so that it starts playing music because he knows that she's going to be freaking out. And he finds her in the closet and stuff, and everything's grand, and they have their happily ever after. Okay, so epilogue. Epilogue is a few months later. They're married, and he wins. He's he wins the boxing match, and he's the heavyweight boxing champion of the world. Okay, and then it goes a little bit further, and they have a little boy. They name him March. And then they end up having, and it ends with him, because he went deaf three years after they got married, like completely deaf, right before they had their first child. They're pregnant with their second, so there's like a seven year or eight year age difference pretty much between their first and their second. 
and they're having a little girl and he he decided to retire from boxing so he is getting cochlear implants so that he can hear and uh that's how it ends he ends up getting cochlear implants and he can hear and they're having another child okay so i really like this book i um i know that there are some people that feel like Liv is the consolation prize and that he would be with Mia if Mia's alive. And I'll be honest with you. I don't feel that way at all. I don't feel like Mia was his soulmate. I feel like Mia was, I don't even know if Mia was his first love. Like it's really hard to put it into words because I feel like, yeah, he loved Mia, but that Mia and Liv are on two totally different levels in my mind. Like even if let's say Mia didn't die. Okay. Do I think her and Q would have ended up together? I have no freaking clue, to be really honest. I don't. But even if they were, like, his connection with Liv would always be stronger. Like, Liv would always be his soulmate. He even tells Liv that she is his soulmate. And that's, like, but that's the connection they've always had. Like, Liv knows his mind better than she, than he does, like, he knows his own. And the same with him. They have always had this super strong connection. So I don't think it would have mattered if he was with me or not. I think they would have eventually probably found their way back to each other um like in an intimate way but their connection would have always been stronger that's how I feel anyways like so I never thought she was a consolation prize or anything I always felt honestly like her sister-in-law said that if anybody was feeling any like someone's shoes it was Mia feeling lives and that's not to say that like you didn't love Mia I just don't it's just not on the same level in my opinion as it is with Liv so I mean so, like I said, that's why I love the, like love this trope. Like, I have to believe that the hero loves the heroine just as much or more than the ex that he chose, you know, like the, per- the ex that went away or the person that died or anything like that. I just have to feel that way. And I do feel that way, but I'm just like, I'm not, and I also, but I also feel like there's different types of love. Like you have your high school love where it's, you think you're, it's everything and that it's never going anywhere. And sometimes that turns out to be like, you know, high school sweethearts get married. Okay. But a lot of times it's not, and it, it doesn't mean you didn't love that person. It just doesn't mean it's the same deep consuming love that you have with your husband or your wife or your significant other. And so that's kind of how I feel about Q when it comes to Mia like yeah he loved her but it was a adolescent love I guess is a good way to put it compared to Mia and that even when he was with our um Mia his connection with Liv was still way stronger so that's but yeah so that's Fighting Solitude I hope you guys liked it um next week's book is going to be have mercy by n.e henderson i'm just gonna give you guys a warning this hero is so stupid he's so stupid like it's a good book but this this hero is just dumb i'm just gonna throw that out there um as always please feel free to reach out via email listed in the episode description or on my facebook page to let me know what you guys think with any you know opinion thoughts recommendations until next time i will see you later